When we choose to be vulnerable, we take a risk. We risk being judged. We risk feeling that people won't connect with us anymore or like us. But taking big risks often brings big rewards. And my guest today, Joshua David Evans, is no stranger to being vulnerable in the public eye. From sharing his journey through sobriety to his political views and even his marriage, Josh has given the people who follow him a safe space to fall back on and a person to look up to. This is one of my favorite conversations today. You're listening to We Need to Talk. Josh, thank you so much for being on We Need to Talk. I'm really excited to chat with you. It's it's a pleasure to be here, Melinda. Thank you. We've known each other for many, many years, but I'm glad that we're finally getting the opportunity to do a one-on-one because we actually haven't done this. Not not really. <laughs> we really the, haven't. The the last, well, the only one-on-one I feel like we've ever had was in the streets of New York and we were we were talking about boy bands. I remember oh, you and me. Funny. That would be a conversation. We yeah. <laughs> I think we were we were bonding over that. We were like, wait, you know this, you know that song, you know that song, you know that group. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. It's no, it's funny. nice. It's nice to actually, I mean, cause I feel like I, I know how you think and I know yeah. how you feel to an extent and vice versa. So it'll be interesting to dive in and, and see how similar. Absolutely. And I mean, our lives have changed obviously so much. Oh, over the last few years and the time that we've known each other. But one of the things I have always admired about you and appreciated about you is your willingness to share really intimate and vulnerable parts of your life. And I know you, and we're going to talk about your journey over sure. the last few years. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time, but just from getting to know you, you know, you became a big presence on social media with doing YouTube and all of that. And we both kind of grew up in the era where we had no social media and had no YouTube. And now we had to figure out how to transition into that. And like we grew up with like AOL dial up, right? Yes. And chat rooms. Yes. <laughs> so being artists, figuring out how to even incorporate that into our lives was a big transition for us. I feel like our age group has gone through a lot. I don't care what anybody says. We've gone through a lot. Yeah. Um, but for you, just being an actor and a performer and a creator, you know, how has sharing parts of your life publicly helped you grow in, in your personal life? Oh, that's, that's, that's loaded. I, <laughs> yeah, I, how's it affected my personal life? It's been, it's been the heaviest thing to kind of wade through. Per, personally speaking, because as an entertainer, you would know this, you just want to book the job. You just want to yeah. find the next opportunity. And then when the internet came around and it really kind of started giving opportunities, people like you and me were like, oh yeah, I got to hop on that. Mm -hmm. I, I remember when YouTube started thinking, whoa, I can just share something I created. I can share it to someone. Cool. Wait, other people can see it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a double-edged sword because you want it because it gives you opportunity but what the type of opportunities it gives and the way that the platforms are so personal it's not just an actor going into an audition and you might know someone behind the desk it's not just i'm here to get a job i'm here to get exposure it's part of my exposure comes from talking about my personal life so is yeah. it really about the job or is it about the gig or is it both and now we have to think about both so it's yeah. been very it's been difficult it's not it's not an easy thing no, yeah, I imagine so. And like, I know for me personally, I str I've struggled with vulnerability because 
it, it's, it, I mean, it's scary to put yourself out there in any yeah. way, shape or form. Right. But I do love that. I feel like at least now we are leaning and maybe it's just the people that I follow and who are in my circles, but we are leaning more into this more authentic versions of ourselves. Like this sounds terrible, but it's like cool to be vulnerable. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to make it a trend, but I do love seeing that people are willing to be more forthcoming with their stories, with their journeys, with whatever they've gone through. Like I was very, very open um, about my pregnancy and giving birth and just obviously tying that into my pro-choice stances, for example. Um, so for you in the last couple of years, I know that you've been very, very forthcoming about your journey with sobriety. And I would really love to know at what point in your journey did you feel, you know, it's time to share what I've been going through so that the people that have been following me still feel like they're on this journey with me? Oh, man, it. It all kind of started with when I had to be honest with my inner circle, starting there. When that happened and I started to get a grip over it, it you start to think, okay, wait, so I, if I'm just now being honest with my inner circle, what about the people that have been watching me? What about the people that have seen my journey? What side of the story did I give them? Did I give them an authentic side? Did I show them the side that I think would be beneficial for them to see? Or am I just exposing myself to expose myself? Like you need to be tactful in a way. So yeah. I, there was a moment where I thought, you know what, now that I'm getting a hold over it, I need to share that because I know what it did for me. I know exactly what it did for me. And there might be people out there that need that too, because I know that when I searched online and I looked at people going through their journey, it was daunting. It was, oh, you've, you're five years into this sobriety. You're you're doing well and you're on your feet. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not ready to expose that part. Cause I'm in the dirty part of it. I'm in the trenches here. But then I realized there is strength in showing that there's strength. Yeah. You're, you're giving strength to other people. And when you realize that, then it's, it's a, it's a responsibility. So what do you do with it? So yeah. I, I made it a point to be very authentic and very transparent without, you know, going too far, but being, you know, I mean, I'm not like, hiding certain things anymore. It's just, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it definitely became a thing of by helping myself, I think I can help others as long as I'm honest about it. I love that. And you talked about, you talked about, you know, admitting it and talking about it with your inner circle. What was that process like? Because I think one of the hardest things to actually admit is probably to yourself that you're even going through something before you even go to your friends and family for support. So how was that process for you personally? Terrifying. It was terrifying. Mm. It's not now. It's not now at all. It's, yeah. it's terrifying because what happens is you, your brain leaps to the most detrimental outcome. Your brain leaps to, if I say this, if I'm real, if I expose all of my mistakes and all of my terrible bad habits, who's going to stick around? Who's going to stick around? And for so long, what it becomes is you thinking I'll fix this on my own in private so that people won't have to be faced with that decision. I'll fix it internally and they'll never know. That's not, they're going to see people see people see, and they might not equate it to, um, a substance abuse, but they'll definitely think he's changed. He's different. He's just not my kind of person anymore. But then when you're like, no, I'm not your kind of person anymore because I'm not my kind of person anymore. Yeah. Then people are like, oh, so it, it, once you rip the bandaid off and you realize, wait, I got the right people around me. 
and they're going to stick around. My fear was they were going to leave. Everyone's going to leave. And they didn't, yeah. they didn't leave. They stuck by me. So that's amazing. And not that's many good to, that you have. Yeah. Not many. I was gonna they say don't have that. I have a support system. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and, I, I feel like really awesome about that. But at the same time, yeah. you, you think I've heard so many stories where people were left to themselves. So I feel very lucky that especially my wife, I just did not expect her to be as compassionate and strong as she's been. Well, yeah. your wife is one of the most beautiful souls I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. So yeah. you are very lucky, but I know you know that, but she's just, you're very lucky that you have her. Cause she, when I just being in her presence, I was like, God, you're just such a light. So that, she, that's a huge blessing yeah. for you for and sure. She's always been that. She's always been yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. I do too. I, love that. I do too. <laughs> so for you, when it comes to vulnerability, what have you learned about the positive aspects of being vulnerable and being vulnerable publicly? There's a strength that comes from um, putting all your cards on the table because people will start to make assumptions or make decisions based off of the fragmented information they have about you, or they'll have a judgment towards you from what they think they know. So it almost, it puts the power back in your hands because a lot of times when you're dealing with substance abuse, you're trying to get that power back. You're trying to control something that you can't control. So you turn to something. So, yeah. so exposing it, it's like, no, people are going to see exactly why you feel what you feel and why you're doing what you're doing. And they can either take that for what it is and accept it, or they can move on rather than, you know, when you're, you're acting erratically and things are changing within you and people don't know why they just think you've lost it. They think you've just yeah. become a different kind of person, but when they see, Oh, they're struggling and this is self medication, they're trying and they're failing. It, it gives, it gives a vulnerability, almost like a, a sense of strength. Like, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm strong enough to show you that I'm falling apart, but I'm not, I'm not completely on the ground and I'm trying to pick myself up. So it, it, yeah. it feels good to be honest. It just feels good to not have any skeletons in my closet. It's like, you see it, you know it. And here I am. I'm still me. Absolutely. And it's like, I'm still yeah. me. I just have struggled. And that, yeah. and people would be like, well, I didn't ever expect you to struggle with that. And I'm like, I, I didn't expect to struggle with it either. Mm -hmm. Drinking was not a thing in my life. When you met me, yeah. I, I feel like I remember you saying you didn't even really I, drink. When we met, I was still, I had never had a sip. You know, I never had a sip until I was 27 years old. I never had alcohol. So being vulnerable and being honest is almost empowering. It's not almost empowering. It is empowering. You're taking your truth back rather than letting people take what they think is the truth and running with it and spinning it. You're like, you know what? If you're going to do that, I'm just going to say everything. And yeah, <laughs> it's, it's mine now. It's mine. It's my life. It's so, yeah. It feels good to walk around because for so long, Melinda, for so long, I kept all that to myself. I kept it in my mind mm -hmm. and there'd be slip ups. There'd be moments of that I'd fall apart and people were like, what is up with him? What's going on? And I was terrified to say it. But now it's like, hey, I'm struggling because of this. And today's a bad day, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, it gives you the power back. You mentioned earlier also that you had heard other stories from other people. Have people come to you and thanked you for being honest because they've been struggling with the same thing? Because I can only imagine you already had, you know, a huge following. You already had fans, but I can only imagine that there's almost this level of responsibility that it, even more so that has been placed on your shoulders because you've chosen to be 
open and honest and vulnerable with the people that follow you. So they might come to you for as their own sense of support, so to say. So I'm just curious if you've gone through that a little bit. Yeah, when I when I made a video uh, of talking about my sobriety for the first time and it it blew up, I you know, you know, my channel has gone through its ups and downs. And now that like I'm doing other things in life, it's not my main focus. And when I made that video, I thought maybe 10, 15, 20,000 people would see it, you know, and almost half a million people saw it. And wow. in, in doing that, every single comment was someone's story. And I was like, mm. oh my goodness, a lot of people are dealing with this. And now I'm almost, I have put myself in a position of someone that they look to, not someone that's got it right. They're just, now they look at it saying, oh, there's someone just like me. I wonder how they're going to react. I wonder if they're going to succeed, if they're going to fail, if they're going to mess up, if they're going to be honest about if they mess up. So I did feel a massive sense of responsibility. It almost kept me even more accountable. These people, they, they have far worse stories than me. And I know it's not, you know, everyone's story is their story and you, we shouldn't compare like that. It's hard not to compare sure. when you, when you hear someone's story where they've lost, like literally lost people in their lives and that's why they started drinking or they were in, you know, a facility for a long time. And you think, wow, uh, I need to like, I need to step up. I need to be an adult and I need to communicate this well. And I need to do it in a healthy way for myself because now, yeah. because I chose to say it, I chose to put it out there. And by doing so, I think a lot of people don't understand when you create something and you press upload that, that comes with a sense of responsibility because you've put you've chosen to put yourself out there. So they're going to pick it apart. They're going to do something with it or the other way around. So it's, it's been a really cool journey because now I'm keeping in touch with a lot of people privately with their updates. Mm. They're like, Hey, so because of you, I'm, I'm month six. Now I'm six months sober or I'm four weeks sober. That's crazy. I saw your video and that's why I said, well, if he can do it and he, his whole life fell apart, I think I can try. So yeah. it's, it's this whole community of people that you didn't really know existed. Like you think they would, but they're all looking for something just like we're all looking for some type of peace. Absolutely. So Absolutely. yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a, it's been really kind of eye opening. Unfortunately, on the other side of it, there is always going to be some sort of negative aspect of sharing. Your Wait, life. what? <laughs> no. <laughs> on social media? What? No, no never. <laughs> Everybody loves me. They've always right. loved me. They have no issue with me. They have no critique. <laughs> if only the world were like that. But I don't even know if I would like, that would be normal. I don't think I could handle that. If you like never got any criticism, then I would actually think something was wrong. Yeah. Right? Wait, everything. Weird. Right. No. Yeah. We complain about it. But at the same time, you want people to be honest. Don't tell me I'm awesome when I messed up. If I was flat, if I sang that and I was flat on that note, don't tell me I was great. <laughs> like, don't, don't tell me I sound amazing. No. Right. Tell me this. Because then I'm going to think, are my ears wrong? Because I kind of thought I was a little right. flat. But you're like, it was awesome. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I guess I don't have to rehearse, you know, but, don't be Simon Cowell. Uh, Don't be Simon Cowell oh from gosh, 2001. Right. But yeah. But with that, you know, how have you 
managed to navigate through the good and the bad oh, Melinda. of that because you know there's lovers there's haters there's all kinds of people so yeah just how have you managed to navigate that because like from my own personal experience sure. i'm i and you know you know i'm very vocal yes. i'm very much an activist you know and and i'm gonna say what i think what i feel i'm always gonna speak out and i get it from all sides and at a certain point for me and my mental health i just have to like check out and just not even check comments or responses or whatever, whatever the situation may be. I'll try to engage sometimes, but I do have a boundary and a limit. So for you, just how do you navigate that aspect of it? Uh, Some days I succeed very well. Some days I don't (laughs) because we're human. We're human. Yes. So social media is is like, I don't want to knock it. I don't want to completely trash it because it's also so many good things can come from it. For sure. Oh man, it's oh Melinda, it's a lot. It's a lot because people will interpret things the way they're gonna interpret it. And yeah. what's the more you have a light on you, uh, the more people will take a fragment of what you say and they run with mm. it. And so some yeah. days I'm fine. It's like do what you want. That's not who I am, and you took that completely wrong, or you really read into one thing I said when that wasn't what I meant. But then, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a mixed bag, Melinda. It is, it it is is a mixed bag. It's so frustrating because it's like, you've had a good week and you, you know, especially when I'm vocal and it's not about my personal life, it's, it's about the world. So it's, it's two different things. So if I'm talking about my personal life and I get critiqued, that's, that hurts, but I chose to put it out there. The other side is if I'm, if I'm critiquing the world, (laughs) I am way more able to handle criticism because I know the criticism I'm getting is like, I don't care (laughs) because what I, a phrase that I keep saying in life at this point, and I feel like I say it more and more done the work, done the work to get here. And what I mean by that is I grew up in the South. You don't really have to do the work. You're in an echo chamber, Hmm. you're in a bubble and it's better to not go outside of that boundary and it's easier to stick in a certain mentality. But I grew up in the South and I moved to New York when I was 18. So I had the massive culture shock of a little Southern bubble Bible belt to the melting pot of the world. And it quickly put all my isms to the test. And, (laughs) and so my teenage years and my twenties, I, I had to search deep. I had to go through growing pains. I had to figure out why is this hard for me to swallow? Why is this difficult? And so I had to face myself. I had to face, why do I think a certain way? Why do I perceive these people in a certain way? Oh man, I shouldn't. (laughs) I'm wrong. And this is why. Educate yourself. And so I had to do a lot of work, self-work to obtain my points of view now. It was handed to me when I was young. I grabbed what I wanted the older I got with the more knowledge I got of the world and politics and people and different ways of living, loving, thinking, breathing. And and now when I see someone that is the antithesis of what I feel and think, I'm like, I've done the work. I know why I think this. I know why a lot of people think this. And so your criticism does not challenge me. It doesn't because I'm firm. I know why I care about these people. I know why if I see a counter movement to something that's good, I have a problem with that. And I know why I have a problem with it because it's it's systemic. It's happened. It's happened. It keeps happening. So that to me, it's like, fine, critique me. 
if I'm going to come out and yeah. say something on blast about what's going on in the world with politics or a certain case that happened with the police or if something that happened down the street for me that I'm like, uh-uh, I know why I think that. So if you have a problem, it says a lot more about you than it does about me because Absolutely. I was that problem. And so I almost feel like it's my duty to help some of these people come to the other side. So it's fine. It, it's when it's flipped, yeah. Melinda. It's when it's flipped. When people are like, hey, you posted this one thing seven years ago when this isn't even about, you know, doing their self-work. This is about personal stuff. I remember you said this one thing seven years ago about your personal life. And now, now you're saying something different. And I think you're a, a bag of shit. So it's like, but it's like, Dan, like I did, I did put that out there and I've changed. I don't think that anymore. Yeah. Or I, that I thought it was okay to tell you all that personal stuff about my day to day. And now I'm paying the price for it. And I, mm. and, and you don't know that going into it. You don't know yeah. what, like even this, the beginning of this conversation when like social media was new for us. It was so new. I remember having- And we didn't know how to navigate it at all. No, because no one did. It was yeah. like, so you, you didn't know that you were making a mistake that would come back and get you 10 years later. Because yeah. it's like, oh, I overexposed myself. And yeah. I didn't know what that was. I just was riding the wave. And it was good. It was good until it's not. So yeah. It so when you're talking about opening up personally and then talking about just the world, like social media can be like your own personal pursuits and you use it for your advantage or you use it as a platform to communicate things to help and promote. So I've done both and they've kind of interweaved. Yeah. So it's like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, Black Lives Matter and uh, I, th this should shift and that policy is so wrong and this is why it's wrong. And then when someone's like, yeah, but you shared a lot of your personal life and I don't like you anymore. It's like, okay, but I'm not talking, you don't have to like me and my music yeah. or persona. I'm talking about life and death and love and yeah. companionship yeah. and people feeling seen. So social media. <laughs> oh, right. There's so many, so many little nuggets that you dropped there that I, I, I sorry, that was like appreciate. a grenade. Of no, stuff. no, that's what this is about. Yeah. That's what this is about. That conversation. There are a couple of things and I'm going to work backwards a little bit. Do it. But when you talked about, you know, people bringing up things from your past, I think that's one of the things that I don't like about social media is that people hold you hostage to who you were before and they don't have any grace for you to become any other kind of person other than who they knew you as a decade ago. Yeah. And that's across the board. It doesn't matter who it is. Anybody. It could be, you know, YouTube creators. It could be celebrities as big as Oprah. It does not matter. If you said something at any point in your life, that is who they've convinced themselves that you are. And that bugs me so much. There's no grace and there's no opportunity for change in anybody's mind. And that's what I wish that we could change. I wish that we could actually flip that part of social media and have it show like, oh, wow, look at the growth of this person. They said this 10 years ago, but look at where they are now. Mm -hmm. But nobody wants to focus on the present. So I'm not surprised that you probably have gone through that given you know how much you have shared publicly and how much you've been through. But it's a shame that you would have to go through that. Yeah. You know? It's, it's troublesome. It's troublesome. But 
you just kind of have to take it for what it is. You just have to take it for what it is. And you you stand in your truth. And I think that that's what's the most important. It's like, you know, I know who I am now at this point. If you want to still think that I'm that same Josh from however long ago, that's your problem. Like you said, it says more about you than it does right. about me. It's just, I know, it, it gets frustrating to have to deal with. Right. And I mean, I look at things that I tweeted or put on Facebook 10 years ago and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I said that. Right. Like I would never say that now, right. but you, you experience the world and, and you meet different people and you're exposed to different things. And I think that's, what's important. And for you, you have a very similar experience to my husband as well, because he grew up in Kansas, but I'm curious for you because you talked about growing up in the South and, you know, you moved to New York and you're now more progressive leaning how different do you think your life would have been had you stayed? I know you're back there now, but with a different worldview than what you said, you, you know, that you said you, it was given to you growing up. How different do you think your life would have been had you not left Georgia? I've thought about this a lot, actually, over the years. Because, you know, sometimes you think, is this me or is this just mm -hmm. a product of my environment? So am I just going to think wherever I go the way that community thinks? And when I really look back at my life and I look back of, back at like who I was as a young teenager, like who I really was at that point where, you know, the certain personality and, you know, way, the way that you see the world that starts to form at that age. And I was still that guy. I was still that guy that cared. And I didn't know why I cared. And I didn't know why it bothered me when I would see certain things happen. I think if I had not moved, Melinda, it would have taken me much longer but I think genuinely that I would have gotten there because I was already headed there. And I like to take pride in that because even, even if you're growing up in a, in a nasty place with nasty perspectives, I think sometimes the good can still peek through regardless. Um, yeah. I remember there was a time when I was 17 and uh, there was after a football game and we all went to the steak and shake um, I don't think it's called the steak and shake, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> just steak and I used to call it the Twitter, by the way. So when it first came out, so give me a break. I love I'm a, it. I I'm love a millennial. It. So that's are you. Uh, and there was a guy that was new to our school and he, he didn't say he was gay. He just kind of came off differently than your macho football guy. And I remember they, people picked on him and he sat alone at lunch and it bothered me. Mm -hmm. And so I remember getting up and sitting with him. And then my friends came up and they're like, oh, Josh is over here. So they sat too. But then at the steak and shake, the steak and shake, I'm still doing it. I'm still doing it. Uh, <laughs> the football players thought it'd be funny to go find where that guy's car was. And they all lifted it and they moved it at an angle to where he wouldn't be able to back out without hitting something. And me and my friends saw this happening. And me and my friends were like the theater kids mixed with, uh, you know, debate club. It wasn't like we were the most popular. And I was like, guys, as soon as they're done, we got to sneak out the back and we got to try to move that back before he sees it. We have to. They're like, we can't move a car. Do you see us and see them? There's no way we can move that car. I said, we're going to move that car. So we got up. It was probably five, six of us. And we went and we lifted it and we were just able to place it back. And he came out. Mm. He came out right when we were doing that. And he was like, what are y'all doing? What are you doing with my car? And I had to tell him. And 
He's like, why did you care? Why did you care? You're putting yourself at risk. Why are you doing that? And I'm like, well, you didn't deserve it. And that, that was 17 year old me who still, if you would have asked me back then, and he, I don't even know if he's gay. It doesn't matter if he is, it doesn't matter. He didn't have to explain it, whether he was or wasn't, but there was just something that was like, you, you don't do that to people. You just don't. And it, it bothered me. It bothered me then. Yeah. And if you would have asked me back then, I would have said, I don't think that uh, homosexuality is right. I love people, but I don't agree with what they're doing. That's what I would have said at 17. Yet I still was like, yeah. I don't want you to treat him that way. Right. Fast forward, I'm in New York and I meet people that are openly gay, um, atheist, just anything you can think of that's different than the South. And that was my journey. And it was already like, oh, I kind of feel like I've been on this journey, but I didn't know I was on that journey. So yeah, it's it's crazy to think what what your environment does to you. And a lot of people, I think, don't understand that. They don't see it. Yeah. A lot of people that I think that you and I find fault with and I don't mean that they're just a bad person. It's just why are they continuing and perpetuating a certain idea? They don't know it's because of their environment. They would not yeah. see that. They wouldn't say that. They're not self-reflective enough at this point in time to assess themselves because you and me, you know, when you're an actor, when you're an entertainer, you're always like, you're given a role. You have to understand the person's motivation. You have to understand. Absolutely. So we get it. So we're like, what's my motivation? What's my memory that I can pull this from? Most people don't do that. So when you're like, how can you think that Black Lives Matter is a negative thing? How can you, why does that trigger you? Then you're like, wait, they don't even know. They don't even think that everything they've heard in their house and everything they've heard in their church and everything they've heard at the school lunch table and everything they've heard at the work break room is the same thing and i'm saying something now that's different so yeah. i'm the issue i'm the one that's making them go yes. what about me what are you talking about i'm the problem they're not even going wait do i even think this because i think this or have i ever been challenged have i ever been challenged because that makes me feel uncomfortable don't make me feel uncomfortable don't make me challenge yeah. my grandmama was a good woman it's like yeah but did you know your grandma did this and did you know that maybe that seeped into how you view things? Because if you don't ever take the moment to think and to view yourself in that way, why would you ever grow? Why would you ever think that you need to do it? So it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's, and it's, it's hard to get them to see. That's the thing that I'm, I'm finding very difficult being here. It was a culture shock when I left. And Melinda, I got to say, it was, it was even more a culture shock to come back. Because I had spent, I had spent 15 years, you know what, even more, eight, I'd spent half of my, all right, so I left when I was 18, and I came back here when I was about 36, so, so what is that, that's half of my life was spent away, so coming back, I was like, oh my god, all this work I did that didn't feel like that much work anymore, because I was surrounded by open-minded, loving people, oh wait. I am not around those people anymore. And every house I pass by has a sign in their front yard that does not fly with how I see the world and how I want people to be loved. It's been hard. It's been really, really hard for me to keep my cool 
to articulate myself well, because you just want to be like, you moron. <laughs> How could you think that? But you know, you, you and I on Twitter, sometimes we don't pull punches. We just say it because we're angry. And, you know, then we become part of the echo chamber on the other side. And it's like, we're not, we're not helping anyone either. We're not, we're not changing minds. How do you change minds and hearts? How, how do you keep your cool and bite your tongue every time? And I think you and I both, I mean, I'm putting you in there with the category with me. No, we I'm, struggle I'm with right it. there with you. We struggle right with it. Right there with you. But I, yes. I'll see things that you tweet and I'm like, yep, yep, yes, 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 yes. But the people on the other side are going to see what Melinda says or what I say. And they're like, of course, of course they think that. Of, yeah. of course. Uh, okay, that's. That's what a person in California would say. That's a person in New yeah, York. Exactly. That's what you would say. Exactly. You brainwashed liberal. Are we brainwashed? Because what we saw was a cesspool melting pot of everything. And we're, we had to look at all of it. You've only seen the color green. And that's the only thing you see. What about all the other colors? Yeah. How do you get yeah. them to see? How do you get them to see? I fail, Melinda. I fail. And we, we're I always going to fail. Yeah. yeah. But the point is to try. But sorry, what, what you even spoke to who? I, my sister. And my, my mm. sister's like me. My sister, but the difference is my sister thinks like you and me, but she didn't come to the West Coast until later in life. So, you know, talking to her, I'm like, what? When I get on this podcast, how can I articulate myself and not come off as like a raging liberal that's angry about everything because i don't view myself that way i view myself right. as someone that just gives a damn yeah and that's the least i can do so how do i come off like i give it she's like just speak from your heart if you yeah. if you come at it with like here's a catchphrase i know and here's a here's the you know this is what we say over in liberal world like you gotta come at it from an honest authentic place I love people and I mess up and I don't like when I see other people being treated differently because they're not a straight white guy. Mm. I am so freaking privileged. And I had to, you know, over time I had to really accept that because I, I was one of the people being like, but I'm not like that, but I'm not like that. Stop, Josh, stop. You, you represent that. Whether you like yeah. it or not, you represent it. So what can you do? You got to grow. You got to grow even within the fact that you think differently now. It doesn't matter because people are going to perceive you differently just because yeah. you look like the villain. You know, you get all the privileges. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to look over your shoulder. It, being married to a Hispanic woman, you know, I've had to witness things and see her process things and i'm like oh god you don't deserve that so what what can i do to help what can i do to help it what i can do is this have difficult conversations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh put myself out there on a pedestal to be attacked which, which is what we've talked about social media yeah. that's what yeah. i can do i can put myself out there so rather than me doing it for fame and to build popularity and to get money and monetize my personal life which is what i definitely did let's shift that let's do it for something other than my own personal gain i'm gonna mm -hmm. i lose people i lose followers i lose credentials when 
he, they're like, well, he's going to be outspoken. So I don't know if you want to have him on the thing, you know, he's yeah, going to, he's yeah. going to, he's not going to yes. And the other side, he's going to say, I was part of the problem, you know, and, and that's the way to start. If people that look like me, if you're listening or watching yeah. this, that's where you start. You start having those conversations. You don't just have it personally. You start having them on your own without, you know, a, a, the public's eye on you. But right. once you start, have that conversation, even if you're navigating through it, even if you don't fully know, you just know you want it to be different. Have that conversation. People will, Absolutely. they'll critique you. Let them, let them, you know. And that's okay. I've had to be critiqued. It is. I've had to be critiqued. Yeah. And I think, man, I am a massive ally. I'm an ally, <laughs> you know? But then there are times where I'm like, oh, but I did that so wrong. Mm-hmm. Or my own personal agenda got in the way. And uh, my fear of losing more followers, that got in the way. I watered it down this time. I don't want to water it down. But I want to say it in a way that is receivable. So- and that's hard to navigate. For you, though, it seems, well, one, I love your self-awareness, and I think that that's so important. I do think that, as you mentioned before, had you stayed in Georgia, you still would have come to this place in your life, but it would have taken a lot longer. longer. That's just who you were created to be, though. And I think the same about my husband, just, you know, when we've had conversations and hearing his views, like, I do think he would have eventually come to this point, but again, it would have taken a lot longer. Mm-hmm. But I think that that self-awareness that you have is so, 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 so important. And environment, like you said, is so key. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who moved to South Dakota, and I think that I've had this conversation on the podcast before, but he said in terms of the population, there's no way that they know anybody that looks like anybody other than themselves. So that's going to affect their views, if they've never met a black person before, if they've never seen a Hispanic or Latino person before, their only view is what's either told to them or what they see on TV, which is usually a stereotype of those races and cultures. So I do have empathy for that because it it really is like, damn, they they just don't know. And they don't have the opportunity or the resources or the will to remove themselves from their current situation. Because like you said, being challenged makes that person the bad, makes the person challenging you the bad person. So there's that fear. There's the having to admit that you've been wrong or what you've been lied to for the most part, you know, going to churches, going to Azusa Pacific university, which I eventually learned was very evangelical and conservative. And I didn't know that going in, but talking to so many of those people now, they're like, I just didn't know. I had no idea because my bubble was so small and I just believed what was told to me in church or by my parents or, you know, people from the community because where I grew up was so small. And so I do have empathy for that. And where did you, where did you grow up? I I grew up in Santa Barbara. Oh, why did I think you didn't? Because when I met you, I met you in New York. You met me in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I grew up in Santa Barbara. I was so lucky to have the parents that I did because I I pretty much have always had these pro-black stances and was always exposed to my culture. And my parents were very much, you know, be proud of who you are. Mm -hmm. My mom made sure we always had black Barbie dolls and like books by black authors. So I'm so grateful for that aspect of my uh, of my parents and just growing up with my sister. And, And so when I would challenge people 
in college or when I even got to New York that weren't aware of those things, I, you know, I got pegged as the angry black woman often, or I got pegged as certain things, but I'm like, no, I'm just trying to educate you and share my experience with you so that you can understand. But yeah, growing up in Santa Barbara, looking back was not really fun as a black female because people's worldview was so limited to that small yet gorgeous Mm -hmm. town, Mm -hmm. you know? So I just love you sharing all of that because I think it's so integral to get out of your space. But again, it's will and it's opportunity because some people just don't have either one of those to leave. Yeah. What what I find is that when you really see what they're afraid of, like really, and this is something that it's hard to remember this every time you interact, right? But try. Yeah. This is what helps me, Melinda, and maybe people that are listening. Um, when you propose a different idea to these people, what you're really doing, especially at our age you people that are our age and older the, the, that's the group that i'm talking about here and older not not gen z because they're a beast and i love them <laughs> uh i really really do um yeah you basically without really knowing that you're doing this you're making those people challenge everything that they think that they are and that's yeah. so scary because what if you challenge something and they come to terms with it and it's the opposite. They don't want to be that. But then they look back at themselves and they're like, oh, then I don't know who I am then. Because yes. all these things, you're taking out my foundations here, whether they- f- Their identity, their identity. But they don't They don't know that. They don't understand that. So when I'm challenging yeah. their faith, when I'm challenging their stance, their idea, I am almost looking at their base and I'm pick, I'm taking the the legs out from their table and I'm showing them the legs. I'm saying, are you sure you want to be on this type of- foundation here is this how you want to do it because these are cracked and they're not gonna you know you're challenging them yeah to at the end of the day they're gonna be like well then who am i if i take all these things away you're you're basically saying everything that i've built myself into needs to change and that's that's really 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 difficult because a lot of these people scary it's (laughs) got to be scary i I thought it was scary when i was 18 i thought it was scary (laughs) to be like wait i like gay people I did a project at my Christian high school that was anti-gay because mm. I was taught to, I was told to. My father, who also taught at that school, was like leading the charge. And <laughs> and I look back on it now and I go, no one challenged him. No one challenged him. How come I, now at my age, I'm now the age of pretty much where he was when I was starting to do this kind of, to, to make the projects that he would influence. I'm like, but I've done the work. I know, I know that it's a problem. Then you start to think, well, when did they ever have the opportunity? When? You're, you're forcing them to look in a mirror and saying, do you see this? Now change it. It's hard. And who wants to say that to someone? And who wants to be like, like, I don't want to tell people you have to change. You have to change who you are. I never come at it from that angle. It's more like, have you ever considered this that that might be why you see people that way have you ever just thought about that let's talk about it let's talk about why it makes you uncomfortable does it make you think that maybe your your grandma was a bad person and you don't want to think that you don't want to swallow that because that hurts your grandma raised you your grandma did all these things for you but your grandma also said this word all the time and voted this way and would make these offhanded comments when you'd be out at a restaurant you have to process it it's hard. 
it's hard to get people to face that. It's hard to challenge that. So I try to keep that in mind when I'm seeing all these. I mean, every time you tweet something, you're going to have someone find a hole in what you're saying somehow. And you're like, oh, how do I get them to see? Yeah. They're angry because yeah. I'm making them angry because I'm saying your foundation needs to be addressed. Who wants to, especially if they don't think their foundation was bad, how do you challenge them without coming off as the villain? You just have to keep having the conversations and re, yeah. re like rework how you say it. I can talk to you openly and mess up a little bit and you're, you still know what I mean. But, but sure. if I'm talking to a For conservative sure. evangelical white guy who who has trump 2024 you know how do you how do you speak to that person they're locked in how do you speak to them melinda i don't know i don't know some of the times how do you change them or not yeah. change them i hate saying that because it makes me it makes people like us seem like we're the righteous i don't it's more just getting them to listen i'm not even trying to change you i just want you to hear a different perspective yeah and, and consider it and just consider it for one minute that something that you've been taught, something that you've learned, something that you've been sitting with for however many years just might not be right. But what? <laughs> what do I do with that? I don't want to self-reflect, Melinda. I don't want to look at myself and better myself. My friends think I'm great. My girlfriend likes it when I go off yeah. like that. How do you... <laughs> It's tough. It is it's tough, but we're trying. We are trying. And we're doing the best that we can. And I feel like just in speaking to you, I think you have a very clear difference just based on your whole life journey up to this point between what right and wrong is. And I think that's just what it is. And I think that that's so important. And I love what you're sharing personally and politically and in, in terms of social justice. And you are an important voice, even though things are shifting for you in terms of what you're sharing. And I'm just glad that we we got to do this. And I really appreciate you. I would love to have you back again. But thank you so much for just being here and chatting with me, Josh. Um, going back to social media. It, <laughs> you can let everyone know where yeah. they can follow you, though. Because he does say some great things that I think everyone should I hear. try. I Now that I do social media, because... You brought up a point. I, I dipped out of social media for a long time, and I've done that a couple of times for my mental health. I do advocate for that for people that are listening to take a step away if you need it. Like, yeah, you know, regroup a little bit. Think about what you what you think and who you are and, and then come back to the Internet. Uh, yeah, I, I say a lot of that stuff. So I, it's nice to be back and it's different. But you can follow me at Joshua D Town on Twitter and on Instagram. That's typically where I say the majority of my stuff. I don't make videos as I used to. Every now and then I'll pop up and do one. Um, and a lot of times I do include that kind of stuff. So that's just look up Joshua David Evans, Joshua DTV, all that kind of stuff. I, I hate I hate promoting that now, but but <laughs> it feels weird. I'm it sure do, it does because that's it's a, ch a big chapter of my life that I don't focus on as much as I used to it used to be everything about my life was that and now it's more yeah. it's more inward it's more how can i help these people and not have to broadcast it all the time how can i help myself but uh social media can be powerful and you can find groups and you can educate yourself even if you like silently follow someone just so that you can learn do it if anyone listening and you in your you're on the fence maybe you're starting to get on the fence about how you view things 
you don't have to come out publicly swinging and say all these big things like Melinda and I do all the time because we feel confident. We're not saying that people have to do that. We're not saying that people have to be like that every single day. Follow and get your bearings. See how you, you think and listen to people that, and that interest you, that say things that are yeah. interesting to you. They're interesting to you for a reason. So dive into it and see what, what it does to your mind and it does to how you interact with people. Simply at the checkout counter, it changes you. It changes you. So go out there. Sound advice. Sound advice. Thank you for having me. I really, I really appreciate talking to you, Melinda. And to the listeners, thank you so much for continuously supporting We Need to Talk each week. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and share. And we have a few episodes left before we take a break for the holidays. And we'll be back in the new year with some brand new episodes. Talk to you soon. Bye.